You're listening to Pacific Post-Ups, an NBA podcast covering the Pacific Division, with your hosts, Lewis Dade and Nick Boylan. Let's get into it. Hello and welcome in to the Pacific Post-Ups. I'm your host, Lewis Dade. My usual co-host, Nick Boylan, won't be joining us today. He's hard at work wrapping up things in his day job before we hit this Christmas period of time. Um, So we're going to do something a little bit different this episode. Rather than uh, our usual segments uh, that I'd obviously do with Nick, um, we're going to take the time coming into this end of year Christmas period to kind of do a bit of a Pacific post-ups advent calendar style episode. Um, just break down kind of where we're at now coming into this time of the year um, and how the teams sit coming into this kind of critical point of the season. So behind door number one, the first seed, the Phoenix Suns. Um, this season has been just tremendous for Phoenix. Um, you know, they had a slightly slow start to start the year if you're being really critical. Um, but ever since then, they've just been a a really elite team. Um, and I think what's impressed me the most is the depth on this roster. When you look across kind of the board statistically for them, um, Devin Booker's not doing anything outrageous, you know, 23 points a game, um, you know, compared to what he can do. He's really kind of just playing that lead star, but not kind of dribble the air out of the ball lead role. Um, DeAndre Ayton, who missed some time with injury um, in the earlier part of the year, is, bounce back strong, um, you know, to be averaging 16 and 11. Obviously, at his top point of his ceiling, he's probably a little bit better than 16 points a game. But yet again, that shows that there's this depth on this roster where, you know, in a world where Booker could be averaging 28 and Aiton could be averaging, you know, 23, they're not having to do so. Um, defensively, he's just made so many strides. Um, you know, he's second in the team in PER, uh, only to Chris Paul. Um, and, you know, you might look at his, his box score stats and go, well, 8.8 steals a game, 0.7 blocks a game. Um, but for those that obviously understand the higher level of defense analytically, DeAndre Ayton's just been awesome. He's in you know a really good positional spot at the moment. Um, and when you really watch the Suns play, you can see this year that guys like Cam Johnson, guys like Chris Paul, Devin Booker, and most importantly, Mikhail Bridges have been allowed to be a bit more aggressive on the perimeter. Uh, you know, chasing steals or really pressing up on guys because they've got DA sitting in the paint and that gives them that kind of extra layer of protection. Um, and so his hard work has, has flowed into, you know, Chris Paul averaging two steals a game, Mikhail Bridges averaging one and a half, um, Jay Crowder averaging, you know, 1.3, Cam Johnson averaging a steal a game, um, Devin Booker averaging a steal a game because DA has been so solo back there. Uh, he's been really impressive not turning the ball over too much, getting most of his looks out of the pick and roll, but he started to be able to make a few more reads off the short roll. Um, if you watch the Suns play closely, you go kind of, okay, DeAndre Ayton, one and a half assists a game, doesn't look that impressive, but what's happening quite a lot now is Chris Paul's feeding him the ball or DeAndre, or Devin Booker's feeding him the ball on the short roll, and DA's been able to kind of read the defense, wait for the help, make the pass to the corner, and it's the guy in the corner that's then making the swing pass for the shot um, so DA is getting a lot of what I guess you'd call hockey assists, um, but you know he's been really impressive now and only growing year on year. Um, that max contract is looking pretty likely now in the off season. 
Chris Paul has, you know, been really tidy. Um, the consummate professional that he is, you know, his box score numbers aren't anything super impressive, but to average 10 dimes a game um, really shows how he helps to set the table for this team. Uh, you know, you can't go wrong um, with the fact that he's been really healthy as well, playing 25 games, um, which if you talked about Chris Paul doing that this time, you know, a few years ago, that would have really shocked most people. So, you know, credit to Chris Paul for having, you know, a really consummate professional year without having to go above and beyond. And the fact that, you know, assist to turnover ratio of 4.3, looking really healthy, um, leading the team in PR as well. Mikael Bridges, who's my sneaky pick for Defensive Player of the Year, um, someone that's, you know, really, really starting to come along as perhaps the best 3 and D guy in the league, uh, 42.1% from three. We don't really need to talk about his defense too much because it is all league. Um, you know, like I've said, I, I rate him as someone that could potentially be a, a defensive player of the year kind of guy um, in this modern NBA where so much of the offense is, is so much of the defense is guarding point of attack guys, um, you know, guarding your Dames, your Lucas, your Hardens, those kind of guys. Uh, he's just perfect for that. Um, and, you know, the fact that guys like Damian Lillard and James Harden have called him out this year as being one of the better defenders in the league goes to show that that's the guy that guys hate being guarded by, and that really sure says a lot, in my opinion. Um, a couple other players I want to touch on just quickly with Phoenix. Jay Crowder, uh, not shooting the ball too well again, 34.8%. He's really aggressive, which is good to see, um, but he's someone that perhaps could be used in a trade um, if Phoenix were to go after someone like DeMontis Sabonis and offload a bit of money. Uh, but at the same time, you know, we know the defense and toughness and at least abil and the ability to make an open three that Jay Crowder shows. Cam Johnson's growth has kind of stabilized where he was at last year. Um, you know, just a shade under 10 points a game, about 23 minutes. Uh, his defense has gone up a notch, which has been really good to see. Uh, and he's shooting 41% from three. Uh, Landry Shamit probably hasn't been that impressive Um but, you know, Javon Carter was having a bit of a tough time of it in Brooklyn, so that trade seems to be a bit of a, a net neutral at the moment. Um, but he's making his wide open threes, um, you know, shooting 40% from three on four and a half attempts a game. is pretty healthy. Um, and obviously with him, a lot of his threes aren't, a, aren't super easy attempts. Uh, JaVale McGee is looking like one of the underrated signings of the offseason as well. Um, we talked about a lot on the pod, but rim running... Shot blocking, you know, knows where to be and where to go. Uh, and that's really important. Uh, campaign's working his way back in. He's also missed a few games as well. Um, certainly not last year's playoffs campaign per se, but, um, you know, he, he's still one of the better backup point guards in the league. You'd like to see him shoot the ball a bit better. And that's really all there is to touch on uh, for the Phoenix Suns. It, it's been all positives, really. Moving into door number two, the second seed, which is Nick's Golden State Warriors. Um they're what well, what is now uh you know equal first in the division um steph curry averaging 27 points a game if you don't mind pr of almost 25 is absurd shooting 40 percent from three on 13 and a half attempts is basically unheard of uh you know this is the quote-unquote mvp steph curry we saw last year just with better better supporting players around him um the fact that he's been able to have a few quieter nights throughout the year and still average this absurd amount of points and be on a really winning team goes to prove that everyone that thought that he couldn't carry a team uh, at this age for 82 games is just wrong. Um, he's been awesome. Andrew Wiggins um, has been really, really, really underrated this year. Now, we're talking 
almost five and a half attempts a game shooting just a touch over 41% from three. This is the the best version of Wiggins I think Golden State could have hoped for when they traded for him. Um, he's still their lead perimeter defender. Obviously, Draymond's doing some awesome work on the inside. Um, and he's a really important part of this roster. I see his salary thrown around a lot in trades, and that disappoints me a bit and maybe shows that people aren't watching how important he is to this team. Uh, Jordan Poole maybe hasn't been quite as good as we thought he would be coming into the season, um, but he's certainly been really important in his ability to shoot the ball and create offense with Steph off the floor. Uh, you know, he's really getting his shots up, eight threes a game, about 35%. Uh, so could be better, but at the end of the day, he's offering, you know, that offensive spark. And I think when Clay comes back, ideally Paul goes back to being the sixth man, which I think is a role he'll really relish. Draymond. Um, Draymond's back to kind of defensive player of the year, Draymond as well. I know I just threw that around with Mikhail Bridges, but um, he's probably the other guy that I'd look at in that conversation. He's just been awesome. Um, he's looking athletic again, and perhaps more than anything, he's attacking the rim a bit more on offense, which you like to see. You know, 55% from the field is a pretty high uh, field goal percentage for him with where he's been at the last couple of years. When you look at the fact that about a fifth of his attempts are from three as well, dragging that down, he's still not shooting the ball well, but, you know, Draymond's able to function in this offense without shooting the ball well because of that two-man game he's got with Steph. Damian Lee's been a little disappointing shooting the ball, but he fits well in that system. Um, Gary Payton's been a little bit of a revelation uh, defensively, athletically, and you know, making 38% of his threes, not shooting a lot, but one to keep an eye on. Uh, Otto Porter, one of my favorite signings of the offseason, um, he's been really good. He still looks a little stiff defensively. He's really a four at this point, uh, but he shot the ball really well. Um, and you know, I think Steve Kerr likes having another veteran on this roster. Kevon Looney's been Kevon Looney. Um, that's still a position they could upgrade, but I think they really like the corporate and institutional knowledge there. So maybe he'll hold tight there through the deadline. Uh, not a ton to talk about with JTA. Andre Godala looks better than what he did in Miami, but probably worse than what he did last time in Golden State. Um, Moses Moody's now playing down with the G League predominantly. Jonathan Kaminga is probably the only other one to touch on. He's looked good and athletic in, in small minutes, but at the end of the day, the big test is, will he be able to contribute anything in the playoffs? Because he's got the frame and he, the athleticism for a guy that could potentially play some minutes in the playoffs, but I just worry about those typical rookie mistakes. That's been the first two doors. Uh, we'll join back shortly after a quick break. Pacific Post-Ups is closely affiliated with OTG Basketball. They've got a fantastic podcast and YouTube network where you can keep up to date with all things NBA. Make sure you follow them on Twitter and YouTube at OTG Basketball. Back to the show. And we're back with door number three on the advent calendar edition of the Pacific Post-Ups. The Los Angeles Clippers, um, who are just a nose in front of the LA Lakers at the moment, sitting at 15 and 12. They're in an interesting spot because that middle of the pack in the Western Conference could get quite congested. Um, they're what a game and a half back of the Grizzlies, who's a side that I think the Clippers would fancy themselves against in a 4-5 playoff matchup, theoretically, just having the guy in Paul George in that matchup. Although John Morant, we saw last year in the in the playoffs, he's a bad man. But um, they're certainly in a spot where I think they'd like to push up into the four. I, I think considering them to be a, a better team than Utah is unlikely. And when you look at the, the game's record there, 
I mean, the Clippers are well, four and a half games back of, of Utah, and I just don't think they're that caliber aside without Kawhi Leonard. Uh, but that 4-5 matchup, it would certainly be one they'd be eyeing off. They're going to get a bit of attention from below them. The Lakers sitting a game, a half a game back, the Mavericks a game back, the Nuggets a game and a half back, and you know, Timberwolves and Blazers are kind of lingering. Um, but they've kind of steadied the ship a bit. Um, you know, there's obviously been some nights this year where it's looked really rough. Uh, but to a certain extent, I think this side's been a smidge better than what I thought they'd be coming into the regular season. Uh, Paul George is is definitely carrying this team. Uh, 25 points, you know, seven and a half boards, five and a half assists, a couple of steals, um, a PR of, you know, 18, or just a tick over 18. Without them, they would be a horrible, horrible team. But he has been asked to probably do too much. He's only shooting 42% from the field on about 22 attempts a game, which is a lot. Perhaps more concerning is on eight and a half attempts a game from three, he's shooting... 32%. Now, if you watch a Clipper game, these attempts are tremendously difficult because there isn't a lot of creation on this roster. And what there when there is creation, it's guys like Reggie Jackson and Marcus Morris who kind of create for themselves, even though they, they have the ability to make them an advantage creation situation. It usually turns into a tough shot for themselves. So Paul George is doing it tough. And I'm not going to judge him to a certain extent for that three-point percentage because at the end of the day, this is still a winning side. Um. You know, when you go down the roster, it's then just a big clump of guys that are all probably equally as important as each other. So Reggie Jackson averaging 18 points a game. That number's pretty high considering where he looked at the start of the year. But when you really look down to it, he's just chucking again. You know, he's taking eight and a half attempts a game as well from three, shooting 32%, 40% from the field. It's just, it's kind of like the Detroit Reggie Jackson. Um, but at the same time, this is kind of what the Clippers need at this point. You know, last year, the Clippers led the league in three-point shooting. You're not going to see that this year. Um, they really miss the Kawhi's ability to get downhill and create an advantage, even though Kawhi's not the biggest assist guy. Marcus Morris, who's spent the majority of the year out of the lineup due to injuries, um, has looked pretty good now since he's come back. Uh, still probably taking a few too many tough twos for my liking, but the three balls looking pretty good, taking some pretty tough attempts and shooting 37% a game. Luke Kennard, a perpetual favourite of the Pacific post-ups, um, He's shooting the shit out of the ball, six attempts a game, 45%. Uh, you know, sneaky playmaker as well. We always talk about that with him. Uh, Avita Zubac has been kind of that, the the professional big man you'd expect to block a game. Um, you know, he's protecting the rim, picking up, you know, eight boards in 25 minutes is pretty tidy. Uh, Nick Batum, who's also missed a ton of time as well due to injury, and I believe some COVID-related absences, continues to shoot the ball really well. 43% from three on about five attempts a game. Um, he's another guy as well that gives this team a bit of additional playmaking. Eric Bledsoe hasn't quite been the the player I think they'd hoped uh, when they took a bit of a buy low on him uh, in the offseason, but he has provided some downhill gravity, which is always nice to see as well. Isaiah Hartenstein's probably been the find of the season for them. Uh, when you look at it, uh, you know, in what is 15, 16 minutes a game, averaging seven points, uh, just a touch under five boards. Uh, the fact that he's been able to stay on the court defensively has been the biggest shock there. Um, he's been a guy in the previous roles in Denver and Cleveland where he's actually always been able to put up some points. He's big, he's athletic, but uh, he's been able to stay on the floor and that's been what's most impressive. Serge Barker has looked really rusty so far, but he's coming back from injury. So we'll give him a bit of leeway. At least he's made 40% of his small sample size on threes. 
and Brandon Boston Jr. Um, quick shout out to Brandon Boston. He had an awesome game against the Celtics. Obviously, super, super, super young, um, but he's a guy to keep an eye on because he's already showing glimpses at the highest level, and that three ball is going down to the tune of about 43%. Justin Winslow, unfortunately, has been really underwhelming this year, just hasn't given him much, um, not making his threes at all, not being able to put the ball on the basket from two. That one's been really concerning, but hey, they bought pretty low on him, so not too much concern there, I guess. Moving down and across the hallways, we like to say here, to the Los Angeles Lakers. So the Lakers have been a storyline team this year because despite sitting at a fairly reasonable 15 and 13 by the most team standards, they were considered to be a championship contender coming into the year. And by that logic, they've been extremely underwhelming. Um, they've had, they've, they've, you know, LeBron started to look like himself a bit more recently, which is good to the tune of about 26 points a game. Uh, you know, seven assists. The rebounding is down a little bit for him, but they've played so big to start the year. That doesn't shock me. And any side that has Russell Westbrook is going to pull rebounds away from a guy like LeBron James. Um, so he's averaging 26 uh, points a game. The concerning thing is, you know, he's pretty jump shot reliant at this point in his career and just 35%. You know, it's not bad, but if he's going to take eight of them a game, you'd like to see it be a bit more. Uh, but I really like the athleticism I've seen from LeBron lately. That's, you know, really positive and hopefully that's him rounding into shape now. AD has been by far the most underwhelming player this year. Um, the jumper just isn't going down. The three ball especially isn't going down. We're talking it's under 20% now. If you told me one of the Lakers big three was shooting under 20% from three to start the year, I would have 100% guessed Russell Westbrook. He's just not aggressive anymore. You can't rely on him night to night. And, you know, this is still a guy that's averaging 24 points a game, 10 rebounds, a couple of blocks, a couple of, uh, you know, one and, a half, one and a half steals. But by his standards, he's just been really poor. Russell Westbrook has started around in shape a bit more. He looked abysmal to start the year, but he's making his corner threes. Um, starting to get a little bit of pick and roll chemistry with Anthony Davis, which is good to see. And just starting to feel a little bit more at home. I still have some tremendous concerns about him in the playoffs. Um but, you know, in the regular season, we're starting to see him turn the, the rust corner a little bit earlier, which is nice to see. Coming out of that, he shot the ball really well, you know, six attempts a game, 41%. He's just impossible to play defensively. But for a regular season role player, I really liked what I've seen. Going to skip past THT for a moment. Uh, Malik Monk, you know, this is why Charlotte kind of moved on from him to a certain extent. You know, really good shooter, guy that can create his own offense, but tough to play defensively. Some takes some questionable shots at times. Um, he's not really a point guard, but he's point guard size. So uh, he offers some shooting in this in this lineup. But at the end of the day, I don't think he's a guy you see a ton of in the playoffs. Um, Avery Bradley has shot the ball better than you'd suspect given his last couple of years, but has maybe lost half a step defensively. He's a guy that I think will get playoff minutes. DeAndre Jordan's now been benched, um, and Dwight Howard's minutes have been reduced a little bit. Those two are interesting. I think DJ's washed. I still think Dwight's actually not a bad backup center, but I think if you try to force him into a bigger role, it hits a wall pretty quick. Rondo's definitely, that step back he took last year is definitely legit. Um, he's not the Rondo from two years ago. But we know on this roster he offers more than just, uh, you know, what he offers on the court. It's also the leadership um, and the ability to work with the young guys. Just finishing off for THT here. So, He's a guy I think the Lakers really have to look into moving because he's really their only tangible asset other than draft picks or guys they're not going to trade. And he's not shooting the ball well again, and it's not on crazy high attempts. We're talking three and a half a game. He's shooting 28%, 40% from the field. 
I, as I've said before, I, I do like THT as a, an athletic, long, secondary playmaker that's a wing type. You know, he's not super tall, but that wingspan is crazy. Uh, the defensive potential is there, although I don't think he tries perhaps as hard as you'd like. But it's just not coming together in LA. I think you're asking him to do a lot on a roster with not enough spacing. Um, and I'd really like to see him traded while he still has some value because it wouldn't shock me if that value wasn't there in about 18 months' time. Um, that's all on the Lakers. We'll be back to finish off with the Kings after a short break. And we're back to finish on the Sacramento Kings, who are 11th, uh, 11 and 17, fifth in the Pacific Division. They're the ones behind door number five here, as they usually are. It, look, it's been a pretty sad existence for the Kings this year. Um, there is a play in space waiting for them, and the, the sad part is, unfortunately, that uh, at the end of the day, I know they really want to make the play in and I know that's important to this franchise because of how long they miss a playoff for, but it's probably something that they need to start to move on from. And I can't believe I'm saying this, but kind of doing a quasi tank. Uh, it's been pretty grim. So if you go through the kind of box score numbers, I mean, De'Aaron Fox is leading the team in points with 20 points a game, five assists. Um, you know, about four boards and still at half a game. They're the, they're the headline numbers, but he's just been shooting the ball so poorly. 26% four attempts a game when you're talking from two. He's making 50, just over 50% of his 13 attempts a game. That's not horrible if the three ball was going down, but it's just not. Um, I he's now starting to look like a guy that you might not be able to build a team around, um, which is really disappointing, one that potentially might get traded. Harrison Barnes has thrown away being the highlight of the year for the Kings, although he's taken a small dip recently. He was averaging 18 points a game, uh, seven rebounds, uh, two and a half assists and a steal a game. He's shooting 40% from three on about five attempts um, and just being a really good three and D you know, guy. I think he definitely is a four at this point of his career. Uh, for teams trading for him, I think that's something that if you watch a lot of Kings basketball, he's gotten a little bit stiff. Um, but he's just a really good shooter, a really good professional kind of player, knows where to be and what to do. Buddy Hield is another one that's definitely on the move at some point, 15 points a game. Uh, he's just not shooting the ball that well, 35% uh, on 10 attempts a game. Now, we know with Buddy, some of these shots are really tough, don't get me wrong. So that's not an accurate representation compared to your average shooter. But, you know, that's really why you're paying him. Uh, now, I will say he's a guy that's going to always get guarded out there, even if he shoots poorly for the next year, because that's just who he is, um, and he's got that shooter's gravity, but yeah, just one to keep an eye on there. Uh, Rashawn Holmes has probably been the, the second most impressive player after Harrison Barnes. He's averaging you know, 14 points a game, which is pretty good given his limited role in the offense. Uh, about 10 boards, he's averaging a block. Um, you know, he, he gets better defensively every year, leads the team in PER. Um, you know, he's probably been a highlight and a fairly low light year for Sacramento and one of their better signings of the offseason for sure. Uh, Tyrese Halliburton hasn't taken a huge jump uh, throughout you know, his second year. I wouldn't go so far as to call it a sophomore slump, um, but uh, you know, he's a guy that certainly worries me uh, a little bit as far as what he is uh, for this team moving forward. I think he's a really good kind of third option as a peak guy. Uh, I've always compared him a bit to like a Malcolm Brogdon type. Uh, and, you know, it, it's also tough, though, because they drafted Davion Mitchell and, and the reps aren't quite there. What he is doing is he's, he, after a tough start to the year shooting-wise, he is now shooting 
41% from three on about four and a half attempts a game. Uh, you know, still showing that nifty playmaking, um, averaging five assists a game. He's probably the best playmaker on the team. Um, he's just a guy that I don't think is ever going to average kind of 25 a game, um, but I'm still a big fan of Tyrese. Davion Mitchell, uh, the defense has been as advertised, and that's been really enjoyable to watch. The offensive game has struggled a bit, um, but we're all kind of expecting that to come along a little bit because everything looks good with him. Um, so that's been positive to see. There's a ton of guys on the fringe of this roster that I won't spend a lot of time on. Terrence Davis has been woeful. Um, you know, under 30% from three on five attempts a game. It just takes some really peculiar shots. Uh, but I still think there's a good basketball player in there. I just think he had too much of a green light under Luke Walton. Um, you know, Chimizi Mitu, start to the year, uh, people were kind of optimistic because he was starting at the four, but the three ball's just not going down. And I'm not sure he's a starting four unless you've got a five that shoots, uh, you know, shooting 26% from three is just not quite good enough. But he's looked, he's shown some flashes when he's out there. There's definitely a player, an NBA player in that body. I just can't quite figure it out. Uh, and I certainly don't think it's what it is on this Kings roster. Uh, Tristan Thompson, Alex Len, pretty standard backup center kind of stuff. They're both guys that I think would be a, a backup center on any roster or a third string center. Um, neither of them show anything overwhelming. Marvin Bagley's been trotted out a bit more for some trade bait, um, but don't expect him to be part of this roster moving forward. He continues to be involved in trade rumors, and Mo Harkless has been pretty underwhelming. He really forgot how to shot the, shoot the ball and has been kind of slowly exited from the rotation. Um, but yeah, there'll always be some interest in a guy like him just because of the athleticism and the wingspan. That's all we've got today. A little quick one, little Pacific Post Ups Advent calendar. We'll be back next week with our usual format, and Nick will return. Until then, listeners, have a great week.